Okay, don't freak out. My name is Miles Morales, and I'm Spider-Man. Hello, true believers, and welcome to episode five of Ultimate Spin, the international fan podcast about Miles Morales, Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm Brian, one of the reviewers over at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And if you're new to our show, I'm in the United States. My co-hosts are Noor in Canada, Taz in New Zealand, and Kyle in the UK. It's October 2014, and it's time to catch up with Miles' adventures with the all-new Ultimates in issue number nine, and his startling reunion with Peter Parker in Ultimate Spider-Man number six. We'll also answer some of your questions and maybe have a question or two of our own for you in return. Remember, you can find us and subscribe at iTunes and Stitcher under Ultimate Spin, and please leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. We'd also love to have you join in the conversation yourself. Visit us over at ultimatespinpodcast.com where you can send in your questions, find show notes, and stream or download our earlier episodes. But for now... Let's jump in with a look at all new Ultimates number nine. Here we go on the Ultimate Spin. Do you guys want to just jump right in? <laughs> Is that a yes? I don't know what that was. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was zoning out. What? <laughs> Someone take the lead on it, man. Someone start with the ultimate, all new ultimates. Jeez. I'll open up. <laughs> so, um, the book, like, obviously, the book starts off with the one, the one thing uh, that we've wanted with all new ultimates, which was Scourge. He went off in the worst way possible, and the whole book kind of sticks around Scourge. So there's that. There's that. And then uh, the, immediately followed by another group of bad guys, which I'm losing count of because we had what yeah, the right. Serpent Skulls and the Femme Fatales and now the Watchdogs. You don't need to call them that. They're just the racists. The, ra- <laughs> <laughs> the racists who are there to, to go rescue Scourge. They did a good job, actually, of making me severely dislike these people, which I'm assuming was the goal. Yeah, And right. they did it by just going for the over-racism. They're meant to be, like, militarized KKK, essentially. And then we get this single-page hero shot of the, uh-huh. the Ultimates. Right. And I was taken by a couple of things. Last time we were talking about Jordi Belair, who is a colorist that, you know, Kyle and I certainly are huge fans of. She's not on this book, and we thought last time the colors, there was some stuff that just didn't seem right. And I was really taken with this page, the tones of the blue in the sky, and mm-hmm. Miles's costume. It's the same artist as last time, but what a difference the coloring makes. Before, he had this weird kind of two-tone thing happening where his head was one color and the body was a different one. And it kind of is happening again in this page, but it, this time it's, it's definitely a lighting yeah. effect. However, then there's this weird thing with the figure of Miles. He's kind of sitting with a leg propped up and his arm over it. And if you look at his right arm, the way it's drawn and colored, I guess, where the arm, his arm is on his right leg, I see what they're trying to do, the way his uh, red kind of fingers are folded. 
It looks like yeah. his hand's been sawn off, <laughs> and his leg, is, his <laughs> arm is fused to his leg. It's. I was as my eye is panning down, I'm like wow, he finally looks really awesomely oh. weird. Like what? <laughs> <I> mean, no. <laughs> He's melting into himself. And oh, we were so close. <laughs> Maybe that's just another one of the uh, powers that goes along with Miles. He can just melt and turn into liquid. <laughs> like, uh, right, he's a, he he's is discovering a, new abilities. He's a T-1000, apparently. So, <laughs> I don't no, like how Jessica Drew looks, like at all. I, I, I know we've mentioned it before. Jessica I Drew. don't like her. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. oh, you mean Natasha? Okay. Yeah, Natasha. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, oh, sorry. I don't like how Natasha Romanov looks anymore. The Black Widow costume I already don't like very much, mm-hmm. and then the red hood coat that comes along with it—it's weird. Mm. I call it the red hood coat because I've been reading Batman recently, and it looks exactly like that. First of all, like this is like one of the best shots I think I've seen in the All New Ultimate series so far. I think overall it looks good. Like the costume and everything is drawn well. It's just a matter of the fact that it, I just the costume but um besides that i, I just the, i think the biggest difference is kind of like there's a difference in the i want to say effort not, not effort but like just how much details put into each character so with miles you get like like he still has like the whole black costume gray mask thing but it actually looks like they're trying to go for a lighting effect black widow's yeah. costume looks good like it's drawn well and then kitty pride kind of like there's no face again. And I mean, I guess that's the style they're going for. But at the same time, like it doesn't mesh well with the fact that Miles is really detailed and then hers is just kind of yeah. there. You know? I don't like that style of anyone in the background doesn't have features. A face. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like in in last issue, a spider. That sort of thing. And yeah. it's just, I, I already am not a huge fan of the sort of art styles that put the drawing lines on the paper so i'm mm-hmm. already sort of reading back from that and then it's the colors are good actually in this issue but in, yeah. in the last few issues specifically they they sort of just try and go for colors that will fit in in the background mm-hmm. and this issue does that as well but to less of a degree and when you look at dagger in the background she looks actually quite good you can tell it's another person but there are other points in the issue when it just looks like they're trying to represent the fact that somebody's there. And mm. they do that a lot in the series, and that's one of the things I don't like. So the Ultimates are introduced, and they get a couple of pages of just strange banter. And even they acknowledge the banter is like, we're reduced to talking about the weather. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, Cloak and Cloak arrives, and he and Dagger are still on the outs and figuring that out. Yeah. But... It's very interesting. Their their mission that they've decided to do uh, is they're going to make sure Scourge is safely escorted to the prison. How they've handled Scourge so far in that he sh- when they got their first real confrontation together, he was knocked out in a single punch. It doesn't make a lot of sense that they would want to physically guard the one transport. Maybe send someone along, maybe just have Spider-Man. Well, I mean, to... to- to well, their credit, shown us so far. Natasha or you know Jessica or whoever she is, she says from her, from their side they want to make sure the the protesters don't get yeah. out of hand. But isn't that the cops' yeah. job? So that's where I'm confused. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It's um, it, it looks like it seems like, and I don't know that this is true, but it seems like they're just coming up with a reason for them to be there. 
Yeah, to encounter the racist organization group of people. Right, but, and that's that's exactly yeah. that's what I didn't like about it. It was like there was no the cops would handle that just fine. Yeah, it's it's more of a convenience thing. Like they needed the story and they needed to give the ultimates a reason to be there. So they were like, uh, you know what? They're guarding Scourge. They mentioned Lana. Bombshell is off visiting her mom at the uh, the super prison. I think one thing a lot of people forget is just the jarring difference between how uh, Lana and her mother act now compared to when they were first introduced. I didn't really care about them. Like they were kind of just seemed stuck up and like. They just weren't that great characters, but it's pretty it's pretty cool to see. Like, and one thing that they've really done well with all new Ultimates is kind of dive into them as characters and just look yeah. more into them as opposed to just being a mother and daughter who rob banks, explode, and swear every other word. So, like, it's it's cool to see that like these are um, they can take characters like that and turn them into people I'm somewhat interested. In. Like, I'm actually interested to find out more about um, Lana's story and her mother's story with the whole uh, Roxanne thing that's going on. It's like, it's cool to see uh, to get backstory on these characters that you originally knew nothing about, right? So I, I felt this whole scene with her and her mother was handled really well, actually. Well, the, I mean, in the original Ultimate Spider-Man run, Lana and Laurie, their their names were actually switched around for a while, and then that was a Bendis goof or something. He changed his mind, but they <laughs> did detail what had happened, or you know that the the mom i guess she was lori at the time what, what mom you know had gotten involved with with roxon and then became pregnant and then the powers were kind of transferred to to the daughter so that that whole story was addressed in the in the original run i'm all for these characters even though i don't know them a lot of them very well i'm all for giving them their backstories you, know, you need it coke and dagger they don't need it because their backstory is literally uh, high school students, which is incredibly boring, and then powers, and then you can get to the interesting stuff. Yeah. That. <laughs> well, there. I mean, their story was in the toward the tail end of yeah, the they, they, run. So yeah, they got they got the entire thing out, and they did it well in those like ages. pretty quickly too, right? It was only maybe two or three issues toward the end of that run, bringing them all together. Yeah, and then the, it ends with them confronting Roxon at Roxon, and. I really like those last couple of issues, actually. Uh, speaking of uh, Cloak and Dagger, though, one thing that's bothered me is we still haven't gotten an explanation on why uh, Dagger is acting really weird lately. Like, she's, like, it was since, was it last issue or two issues ago where she just started acting out a lot, like, out of her character? But um, we still haven't gotten an explanation from that, and it doesn't look like we're going to. The way they're presenting it is... She crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you say you say this about the whole explanation about why Dagger is being made out to be crazy, which I agree. Yes, yeah, she is. But I think you want more of an explanation that is actually needed. It happens at little points during the series. It happens in the I think um, the first issue as well, where they're disagreeing, and it comes to the point where they've basically been together before this happened and there's been no gap in between where they haven't been together this isn't the 616 cloak and dagger this mm-hmm. is specifically in this short amount of time defeated rocks on then straight away they've got the world's coming to an end with cataclysm so there's never been a time for them just to be apart and have their alone time because yeah, they, sure. they can't go back to their life as before granted it seems that it's affecting dagger more but even then 
these the if you put all that into context the explanation isn't really needed to the point where it's going to be some full-blown thing it doesn't have to be something big at all i just think that i i, I said last issue i think that this is just an excuse for character development i'm absolutely fine with that i'm i'm actually happy with it so the ultimates arrive at the very modest size protest which didn't seem to be that big a deal it didn't really take off because yeah. then the watchdogs arrive and blow up the Not bus really enough to warrant ultimate the ultimate on patrol yeah to support the police but actually some of the cops turn out to be undercover watchdogs or watchdog sympathizers or whatever the ultimate show up on the scene there are a couple of race-based comments that dagger responds to and miles does her as response well. is great yeah <laughs> like she gets hit and she's like what right? yeah pow <laughs> And, uh, and Miles as well. But then it's interesting because you just throw this group in there all of a sudden. And like you were saying, Taz, you know, you make them racist. So you're predisposed. So they're automatically, it's almost pantomime. It's just like, they are the bad yeah. guy with a capital B. So let's all get mad it's, at them. It's the Wicked Witch, Witch of the West showing up and like torturing the little mini people at the beginning. It's, it's that. It's, it's very standard, but it, it works for the tone that this issue is going for. And so Dagger gets hit with a stray bullet and is in pretty bad shape. And as Cloak is attempting to transport her to Jessica's contact from an earlier issue, whatever issue that was, that the doctor that helped her out when she was drugged. Oh, yeah, that five minutes where everything <laughs> seemed to just be okay all of a sudden. All yeah, of I enjoyed that part. And <laughs> uh, so in the middle of uh, transporting her, she gets really woozy to the point where she asks him to basically pull over. He just happens to pick the one alley where somebody is waiting for them, and they both appear to be shot through the head. I don't think it's an actual bullet. I don't think they're dead, because that would just be a really weird way to kill off two main characters. We can very clearly see that that's probably Taskmaster. But I do have something mm. to note about the actual the actual image here. When when Taskmaster first appears, mm-hmm. he's 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 like a shade character just after they've been both shot, and I don't know if it's me or if it's just some image that I'm missing the point of. But just behind the shady image of Taskmaster, does it not look like there's somebody else behind him and he disappears? Like it looks like it's the same color as as the mask thing that. The new Taskmaster's wearing, and it just appears in the background. Am I crazy? Or is oh, that oh, the right gunshot? Behind, right behind um, the, sh- the smoke. Cloak, right? That's the smoke, is it? Yeah, it's yeah, the smoke. smoke. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought, I, I was looking at it, I was like, is there a second one and he disappears, or is there mm. something to be? Okay, if it's the smoke, yeah, no, okay. Um, we were, I was asking a question more than anything. Yeah, we were talking about, when we were talking about the art earlier on in the issue, um, I actually do like the actual panel of Dagger coming through, Cloak's Cloak, mm-hmm. and she's starting cool. to feel sick. Um, I think that is a, one of the re- really one of the best images of the, the actual issue. But <laughs> I go as far as the way to say it's one of the best of the series. It's a really good image. Yeah. Um, as we go, when we, remember last issue when we were cracking jokes about how Spider-Man's Spider just decided to do one. Yeah. 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 Remember that? That was fun. Um, so Spider Man Spider decides it wants to be black now. Yes. In the panel. Yeah. yeah. So it's a defense mechanism, Kyle, is what it does. <laughs> so it panics in the ensuing melee and decides, oh, oh. And then in the following panel, it, it goes away again. 
<laughs> it's it, no at that point it's camera it's fully blended in it's got its own yeah. camera it's, it's, it's like miles it's, has his camera i've got mode. i've got i've got a reason yeah the spider is is the is the indicator for miles's power so when he wants to turn invisible but mm. can't because of social implications it turns invisible for him oh i thought you meant but power like he needs to be recharged like plug him in yeah See, I'm talking I, like like the original Power Rangers. They they need to have some resting time. Uh, well, I, I likened it more onto as like a mood ring, like where it would turn blue if he was sad or something. He does. It's called his eyes. <laughs> but really, I mean, back to um, what I was saying uh, earlier, the, the new colorist really brings out uh, different things in this in this artwork. I think, yeah, um, especially like. Like I said, the hero shot of the Ultimates and certainly the image of Dagger being transported with Cloak, that just the way that's rendered and the, the even, rain- even the image when, when Taskmaster shows up and he's sort of not not the one where he's fully silhouetted, but where he's partially silhouetted and you can see the skull. That's a really cool image. I think as well, you've said you've got made comments about um Pina, the one the original artist's artwork before. But that sort of um, panel layout is what he's been trying to do. He's as a whole neon thing vibe that was going on in those early issues, and that color it works here. In instances like this, the problem was before everything was just neon, and it was just neon yeah. for the sake of being neon. And then it was at points it was overbearingly where the art didn't, the art wasn't at its best. So then that was too busy distracting you and then it took away from the story and then everything started to drop off from that point onwards yeah which we again all you gotta do is listen to old episodes which you know you should be doing anyway to hear us make comments about that this is not a book that could ever really benefit from the use of neon it doesn't have that that's that style or tone or anything yeah so when they were using the more neon colors it was just ugly didn't work Mm. at all i mean this isn't you know fables or whatever where it's, it's the tone of the gritty detective it's it's spider-man for it i could tell i mean the issue the issue itself for all new ultimates the art style has just overall and i i feel personally it's been improving over the last couple of issues i would agree uh, absolutely I, been improving it, it's, it's, it's been it's, pretty good for the past few issues actually yeah no like i i can't complain it's it's been it's been very solid it's been good artwork there's a few off things like we talked about sometimes like the spider on his chest going missing this one it seemed to be the webs on his chest that go missing but you know overall the art style has gotten a lot better and i think that's benefited the book and even the writing itself like the book in general has kind of improved but to go back a bit to cloak and dagger i don't believe they're dead just from the no. way it's just from the way it's drawn whatever it is that hits them does not look like a bullet I mean, it's more like, like a laser. That's what I'm saying, right? And like, uh, even like the noise that goes along with it, that like, that does not like that doesn't equate like bullet sounding. It could have been. A, it could have been a sniper. Could have been, but at the same all, time, all the times the we've we've seen a gunshot in the series so far, they haven't exactly strayed away from there being a, a wound or blood or something or a hit. Yeah. you know, like even this, just there, there's no splatter, there's no spray, anything. It's just. <laughs> Earlier in this issue, when uh, when Tandy gets shot, you can see the blood going yeah. around. You can see like a, a not explosion, but you can see the bullet hitting her. 
you can see like a like a point of impact, but this one kind of just seems like a like just really quickly right through them and there's like there's no bullet, there's no explosion and even in the final shot when Cloak is falling over, you don't see blood leaking down his head or anything. You just he just kind of falls over. I think Taskmaster is going for a a game of sorts here, some sort of over thing and I don't think he just kill off two characters at once. That. Yeah, well, he, he says in um, well, we assume it's Taskmaster saying it, but in I'm just calling him issue, Taskmaster at this point. Yeah, but when he he says um for the femme for jeez, oh, can't believe I've said to call them that the femme fatales. He doesn't. I'm pretty sure he tells them specifically not to kill them anyway. Maybe yeah. take them out, but not kill them. So yeah. it just mean makes more sense that he's not trying to kill them as of yet. He's going to be stupid like all bad guys and wait to kill them. And then he's going to tell them his plan just before something kills them. Like, he's going to put them under a giant laser or something, then walk out of the room so they have time to escape. (laughs) I mean, that said, in the moment, it was a shocking ending. I was genuinely surprised. Like, I didn't see that coming. And then I I got a little frustrated because, again, they just happened to stop in the alley where he happened to be waiting. So... I'm actually not convinced that this is proper Taskmaster because we've one we've already seen a Taskmaster and two he appears to be a bit more omnipresent. Yeah, I'm going to call him Jeff for now because I'm not sure if it's Taskmaster. Yeah, well, we should we should just go back over the issue and overdub ourselves saying Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, So when Jeff, (laughs) (laughs) in either case, Cloak and Dagger are off the board. They are marked at the axes at the end of the issue. Cool image. To be setting up. Like some momentum finally in this book. Like, okay, now we're now we're building to something because that first arc, we went through it. The serpent skulls did that whole thing did nothing for me. You know, crossbones, I did not care. But this is interesting. Now there's yeah. they're being actively hunted. I I tried to touch on it during when we were talking about vermin as like a monster, mm-hmm. and what I was really trying to say is this series needs supervillains. Because it's yeah, dealing with gangs. Yeah. I don't care about gangs. They're the stuff mm-hmm. that the, the superheroes deal with outside of the cool stuff. Yeah, I want to see supervillains. And now, Jeff is... is <laughs> he seems like he's going to be a cool villain. He might just be discarded. You know, because I thought Scourge was going to be a cool villain as well. Yeah. But if it does seem to be building up momentum, I'm actually quite excited to read the next couple. Even just what's left at the end of the book, where it says, next, no gods, no masters. But, you know, yeah. like, it, it, it builds, to, it sounds like it's building to something I'm interested in. It sounds like, like, you know, like, I'm waiting for next issue. I want to know, like, who is, who's Jeff? Like, who, who are these? Who is he? Right. <laughs> like, is he actually Jeff? Or, like, uh, but it's. I, 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 I've said it a couple times. I don't think that Jeff is the only Jeff. <laughs> yeah, because we've seen, we've seen one Taskmaster before. And I think this Jeff. This ultimate Jeff. Yeah, I think I think this is the real ultimate Jeff. Yeah, because the other one was kind of weak as a character, was he not? He showed up and he was he was just a mercenary. Like that's literally the description: just a mercenary. He has some cool skills, but you know, just, just a mercenary. mercenary. Yeah, I think that's, 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 this that's, might be the real Jeff in the series. It's the, it's the same one. It's the same silhouette. It's the same mask. It's the same guy. It's revenge. Real Jeff. Really, is, they're the ones that took him down. That's why. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be that Jeff, though. This Jeff <laughs> seems better. I'm going I mean, with it. <laughs> now that I think about it, the, like, the next no gods, no masters thing, mm-hmm. it could be like a hinting to like no masters, taskmaster, you know, like, like yeah. uh, 
I mean, like, no, it's like like what you've been saying all episode, Kyle. Like, I'm kind of on board. Like, it's it's Taskmaster at this point. Like, that's I, I I do think it's Taskmaster. I want there to be more to it than that. Like, I want there to be a group of Taskmasters. I want there to be a team of Jeffs, and I, I want there to be a <laughs> Jeff Prime who's going after them. But you're looking again, super Jeffs, not like a street level Jeff. Yeah, not, yeah. not that, like mercenary Jeff, but that's like badass. That's the challenge with this book, because Fief set out to do a street-level book, so it has to be gangs, and they tried to go with the kind of mutant, super-powered gang thing, but it just didn't grab me. I think when you have heroes that were operating on such a higher level toward the end of their, you know, they were introduced toward the end of that first Miles Ultimate run, and they're taking on Roxxon, and, and then Cataclysm, I mean, they were working on a completely different level. To bring them down like this, it's a big shift, but then the actual setting, the context, mm-hmm. like you said, gangs, that's tough to do. And it, it doesn't feel believable that these guys, with all of their abilities and their like what they've done, their big job is to hold back a couple of protesters. Outside of heroes like Moon Knight or Daredevil, there aren't many heroes I would place within the capable of holding a book of just street-level crime. Because Daredevil, he can do it because he's actually quite edgy and he's entertaining in normal life. Yeah, because Daredevil, especially as a character, he is identified with Hell's Kitchen. That is his yeah. his setting. And Moon Knight is... Crazy. Just, he is completely crazy. <laughs> but he is originally, he was supposed to be a strange kind of Marvel take on Batman, you know, although yeah. his yeah. costume was all white, but they did make that work. Just to go back to all the Ultimates, just like those are two, like, you, like we mentioned, those are two books that um, are they work for street level crime because they're street level superheroes. But we have Miles who worked with um, with everybody on on Cataclysm. Same with Black Widow um, when she was Spider Woman. And then she was a Shield was, agent. Exactly. And then Kitty Pride was with the X Men. And then like like the only, kind of the definition of non street level. level exactly. Yeah. But, like street level isn't their thing. So that's three. That's one uh, one half of the team. And then Cloak and Dagger are honor roll student council suburban kids. So this is completely removed from what they grew up with. With Ultimate mm-hmm. Spider-Man, both Peter and Miles, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been really heavily involved. Like that's S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't street level either. Like Pete, yeah. Miles got his current costume. He's been he was trained by Captain America while uh, while Cap was still alive. Like he's like Miles is like maybe Peter maybe he could be classified as street level. Miles, eh, like I was I I feel like I feel it's kind of a dishonor to him to call him street level. The ones that Miles fought in the beginning, his uncle is still street level. He's a petty criminal. Scorpion yeah, sure. is a mob boss. Uh, what was it? Granted, you had Omega Red or whatever, or he fought against Batrock. These are still street Kangaroo, level guys. Right? The only thing that's made it different is that the events that he eventually gets crammed into. So, yeah. divided we fall, I'm still going to lay it down to street level in comparative to somebody like Galactus because Hydra is not super powerful. In, in the Ultimate Universe, are not like big. Exactly. And then there's Venom, and then there's Rockton, which is still just a company. Granted, they've created them, but they're still just a company. So, say, I don't really agree that Miles is above doing the street-level stuff. It's just that now the latest thing that we've added to the roster is now in his own series, he's fighting against the Green Goblin. He fought against Galactus. Yeah. But he's still in the same realm as Peter, where it can do both. That's true. I, I, it's just 
Peter had more time to do more of it over over time. Like yeah. all, all of that stuff is pretty much straight away in Miles's career, apart from the year gap he takes. Like the Prowler, and, the Scorpion, it's all it's all at once and Yeah. Peter and that, he deals with street crimes in between everything. Mm. And yeah, well, that's true. The argument can be made that Miles can do both because, I mean, I've always thought of Spider-Man as a both kind of superhero. Like he can stop the robber trying to steal an old lady's purse. He can stop Galactus. Like he's more of an all around kind of guy, you know, but like that still like that still doesn't create um, really. I wouldn't say excuse, but it doesn't create any reasoning for Black Widow, a shield agent and pretty pride, a member of the X-Men. To like um, working on a street level team. I mean, overall, the book as like my compl- I have no complaints on the book being a street level book. I feel it works. I feel like they've done it really well. Like aside, like the first arc could have been better, but around the end, it started to pick up. Um, and then lately, we've had like a lot of street level uh, stuff with the this racist organization, um, and then now Taskmaster coming back. I feel like street level works. It's just it's kind of weird when you have characters like Kitty and Black Widow who are not street level characters like it's not their i wouldn't say forte but it's not what they're typically used for it's different i'll give it that and uh but speaking of kitty am i the only one who's realized that ever since she's been drawn on your ultimate she just consistently looks unimpressed she, she does <laughs> she, even when she's joking with miles she just looks bored and even in like, like, the profile yeah. the profile shots at the end she's just like yeah just take my picture and let me get out of here like <laughs> i can tell you why it's because She's downgraded to the superhero group yeah, after being X Men like, for years. Street level, <laughs> street level, seriously? Like, yeah, you know, I was fighting Magneto a few years ago, right? <laughs> like, super mutant terrorists. We forgot to touch on David's cover, which I think it might be one, like one of his best ones. Yeah, I really like this cover. It's phenomenal. I loved it. I liked it too. Although I, I liked cloaks face better that it just looked more realistic to me yeah it looked a little bit better than daggers like i it looked and i know what you're saying like, it looked more like close to real than you as yeah, da- daggers looked- you can tell it's more it's drawn you can tell yeah I, I like the detail that went to cloak a little bit more but overall still i thought it was a great coverage i i'm not a fan of like hyper realistic art so Cloak looking more human is kind of a turn off for me, really. Uh, so I, I prefer the way Dagger's drawn. I like how all the ink coming off the well, I suppose it's his cloak powers or whatever whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Like like ink all around in the background, so it's coming off him. I like that part of his costume, you know, like the single stray bit of light in the hole of the dark shadow because otherwise from a design point of view it's going to be really awkward to draw but it's just black he's basically in a black jumpsuit it's not so it's not like the black spider-man costume or any other character that wears black where you can clearly see it's broken up into different parts it's also nice seeing dagger with long hair again oh i think that looks looks good because she has she's short she's got short hair in the series wrapping this up do you want to try and give some scores somewhere between six and late seven like is probably i would say just over seven like a 7.1 or something it just makes it into that pretty good category the art style Mm. is definitely getting better and they are making 
the characters slightly less more annoying. Slightly less more annoying. I meant to say that, of course. I did. <laughs> slightly mm. less annoying. I do. I do think that supervillains are the way to go with this series, and it seems like they're trying to do that while still sticking to this lower profile group sort of thing. So uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven point one. I think that's a first. <laughs> no, I gave I gave the vermin issue a seven. No, no, I mean a point one like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, no, this is the first point one. It only just makes it into the seven point one. Uh, for me, I'd, I think I'd give the book a seven point five. I thought it was I thought it was a good book. Um, it was like I I was interested to see like I could turn the page and it wasn't like when's this going to end. It was more like what's going to happen. Like and especially not even just when uh, not even just for the next page for the book in general. There was the ending uh, we talked about no gods no masters. We saw Taskmaster in the back. Like it's setting up to be a really interesting book. It's setting up to be something I want to read. And seven point five is probably the fair score I'd give it. Everything has been improving so far. I can't remember what I gave the last issue because <laughs> it was feels like ever so long ago but for the simple fact that it's continuing with Scourge I don't care about Scourge it acts as um, that whole conversation with Bombshell and the mum well I, um, I'll admit one of the better Bombshell moments of the series but it's still retreading things for her to eventually come back again that Aside from the actual ending of the book with that you mentioned, the whole Taskmaster, the ominous that it's that the being now being hunted, this issue really didn't do anything for me. I've pretty much forgotten what's happening. I don't like being overtly negative. I don't like scores all that much either. But six, I think, I think that's in the ballpark of pretty much all of them. I don't think I've gone lower than a five and higher than a seven. I'm going to give this a seven in context of the series to date because this is good. This is improving, uh, certainly, as to what came before it. Um, the points you guys hit in terms of artwork. I thought the new colorist, her name is Esther Sands, did a wonderful job bringing new things out of Milano Giannis's pencils. Really nice work here. Some parts just seemed a little too, too contrived. The Ultimates going to the protest that was forced that uh, they just needed to have them there. I thought the, yeah. the bad guys of the watchdogs were just boring. You know, like, like we were saying earlier, it's just, they were so over the top, ugly and bad that it just seemed like a joke almost. And then I do like the scourge flip the switch on them at the end. That though. was a nice touch. I did like that. I did like that a lot. And then of course, as I'd mentioned, cloak just happening to stop right where taskmaster or who we believe is taskmaster was waiting yeah. to take them both out. Moments like that were a little too convenient, I, you know, in terms of plot mechanics. I know you're trying to get to an end game here, but that they took me out of the book. So even though I was enjoying it, I still got sidetracked there. So I would give it a, I'd give it a seven.
Well, what we're here, all here for, Miles Morales 6, it's finally arrived. And from the get-go, throughout this whole issue, I was kind of iffy on at first. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, we've at the beginning, we have um, straight away after Jonah took aim on Norman. And he's freaking out. Did anybody really buy the whole Norman speech at the end of, in the last issue about how it's the drugs that made him all crazy? And, oh, I'm now just seeing the light again, like you said, like a thousand times. I think it's uh, some sort of delusion or something. I think uh, he's, he's a truly crazy guy, and I think they're really getting into it now. He's He's actually snapped at this point. Or did Jonah set him over the edge? Because by shooting him and then right before their final moments together, Norman very plainly and coldly tells him, I wanted somebody to tell my story and I clearly made a mistake. And then, Do you think, you know, think so, Jonah's gone? Uh, yeah, good him, you, well, look at that again and remember what happened to, uh, was it Chang? Who's the shield agent? Yeah. yeah, so. Oh, the last Black Widow, the one that, right, so. that, that, Jessica had to follow in her footsteps. In her her legacy uh, lived on. But yeah, I I mean, that scene, that whole scene with Jameson and Osborne is, I mean, that opening with that is some powerful stuff. I mean, we talked about last issue, how when Miles was shot, how his wound was depicted. Mm -hmm. That first shot, I have never seen a gunshot victim in a comic book I don't think I've ever seen it depicted that way where skin is folded up where it's been blown open. Yeah. I mean, that first shot of Norman, it's terrifying. And then shocked expression and the blood splattered robe and the pool of blood. I mean, it is intense. And Jonah's reaction is complete. I mean, I found it really graphic, but I did not, at the same time, I didn't think it was gratuitous. I mean, you're looking, when we saw that scene, Jonah was Mr. Cool, and he pointed the gun at him. The end. Good night. And even that first shot, he's still standing there. And then it's like, oh, what? Just, what? Ha- did I actually do that? And then as you see the, the horror of the gunshot victim, it just so you can seeing it depicted that way. I didn't find it over the top. In fact, it, it kind of pulled me into Jonah's head a little bit. Like that is this is awful. Like what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And then, of all things, you know, he makes a phone call to someone. He doesn't even call the cops. He calls somebody. He just goes on instinct. I need a reporter. Yeah. Well, ben Yurik. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see him in the background getting up. Oh, that's right out like of the, the movies. movies. I loved it. Can I, can I just say, I, I, I love the art in this series, but that silhouette is awful. Really? It's just a black silhouette. I don't like it at all. What did the they put, they put no detail ominous. in it whatsoever? It doesn't even look. It looks like a person, obviously, but it doesn't look like anything spectacular. It's just a black outline. I want them to put some slight lighting in there or something, which they do a few panels in when he's right behind him. You, you can see like some colors going around the hair and stuff, but in the other silhouettes, you can only see the body and the fact that he has a head. You can't even see that there's hair yeah. there. It's just a really out of place, non-detailed silhouette, and I don't know why. It's not supposed to be directly noticed. It's supposed to be noticed, but 
there's no detail required for it. I read it similar to what I think Kyle is trying to say. I, it was almost conveying the mood or the emotion that it's carrying. Like it's an out of the corner of your eye kind of thing because the focus is on Jonah, who has always been in control. We were talking about it last episode saying like, he's a powerful person. If he wants to, he was just threatening someone on the phone, you know, before this all happened. And now he is completely lost and desperate. And this is a side we've never seen before and confused mm-hmm. and not even thinking clear. He's not thinking clearly. And then it actually gets uglier than for Jonah, because that appears to be it for Mr. Jameson. Yeah. How do you guys feel about I'm not, that? I'm not convinced, but it is very possible. He does it. He calls him a mortal. He does. He calls him a mortal for a reason. It's a really, his head. really cool panel. If but he isn't dead, he'll want to be dead. He will yeah. want, yeah. No, and I, I love Jonah as a character. I didn't like, I, I have to admit, I was very bummed out when he was killed off in this issue. But uh, it looks Possibly. definitive. It looks definitive. It's like, what, um, like yeah. his face burned off. Like What uh, What bummed you out about it? Like, why? Because like, I thought he was... The character, yeah. He's a he's a good character. I mean, it's not like um, it's not like he's surrounded with bad characters and he's this very shining light of one good character. But I mean, he was an interesting character and he was a character I liked a lot. You know, like a, I thought the death was spectacular. I thought it was handled great, and there's no issue with it at all. It's just the fact that I'm going to miss a character that was written very well for this uh, for this entire series, going dating back to when he found out Peter was Spider Man and he started to get more open and he wanted to help the Ultimates. Which kind of, uh, now that I think about it, once again, we have the question of timing because they, uh, the Ultimates wanted to go to Jonah for help or condos um, and now he's dead. So I don't know. Really, like, the timing for this is weird. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out where it would all go. But yeah. I mean... Unless the only Ultimates happens a few weeks ago, in which case they've already got their condo. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to... Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe they already live in, it, in their condo together. But, um, well, clearly Jonah won't be needing this one anymore. <laughs> but yeah, no, I had no issues with it, right? Like it wasn't like a, and it wasn't like a handled in a bad way. And I thought, I thought the whole scene was just great, especially just like we talked about, like how just the scene of Norman going immortal and then grabbing Jameson's face and then going mortal, like kind of just oh, with that showing horrible a horrible grin. Really cool. Yeah, you know, doing, like, yeah. it was a, it was an evil scene, like, and it was handled really well, just immortal mortal and then he burns his face you know it was really well and like the only thing that bought me out about it is that i'm really gonna miss jonah i thought he was a great character he's such an iconic character we talked about that too and by removing him i there's a lot of speculation as to what's in store for the future of this universe and this continuity taking such a big piece off of the board yeah i i did have a little feeling of dread like oh this well that's that's the end of an era. That's, you know, you take, you don't survive. I mean, the guy survived a gunshot wound in the original run, but this is, this is on a different level. Moving on from there, we go into the whole explanation. The moment we've been waiting for, right? No. I really like Here's here's my problem. No, it's not even a problem with it, really. The explanation of it was never going to be anything spectacular. It was never going to be. From the get-go, there was only really, what, like three possibilities that people would be willing to buy. Anything 
more ridiculous than that is just going to get thrown out for being ridiculous in itself. So when you're working under those sort of limits, so what are what are what, your what are your possibilities then? You said three. The possibilities were always, it's not really Peter, it's a clone. It's a clone that doesn't know he's a clone, or um, he never died. There was the odds formula, which is what they appear to be going under, under that ruling. The actual act of him coming back seems as straightforward as what we said in the previous episode, what Norman Osborn theorises about the formula, and that he yeah. can't die. It's all but confirmed that it's the formula, right? But the fact yeah, that he woke up in the lab, I, I think someone else was also sort of advancing the process, if that makes sense. I think that someone else was bringing him back, but the mm-hmm. formula was doing most of the work. So I think that there is still this this air of a story to be told because there has to be uh, of who was doing this. Yeah. But I I actually really liked it. I, I knew it was going to be it wasn't going to be great. You know, it's not going to be something amazingly unique. And we've seen stuff like this before with Spider Man. But I really liked how it came out. It, it was mm. I liked the idea that he woke up in a lab and. I did kind of want to see like an imitation of that shot from Craven's Last Hunt when he punches through the ground. He's digging his way out, but it's much more stable. It's much more in line, and I like I I do like the fact that it's the Oz formula because if it's another clone, it's another clone. You know, there's another yeah. one running. Do you do? But if it's the real Spider-Man, there's something to that, and he brings up a lot of points in that he stepped in to fight the Goblin out of his sense of responsibility, which for me is one of the things that solidifies him as Spider-Man. I want to, I want to go back just a bit to this, I guess, to the top of this scene and the revelation itself. Cause I, like we were saying, this is what we've been waiting for. So since this run started, Miles Morales, ultimate Spider-Man, the central mystery was actually Peter Parker's return. And how is that going to work? And it was teased. I mean, we've been, going through it this you know the past couple episodes like is he a clone you know kind of talking through our theories and waiting for this explanation we're saying all right at some point you have to address this because you can only drag it out for so long so it's interesting but this could get really annoying and i i think it's very playful on bendis's part to see how the revelation is is presented because that first panel is miles pretty much echoing the reader. Like, hello, like, are we doing it? Like, come on. And you get three pages, uh, one and a dual spread of almost stalling miles or Peter saying, just give me a minute. And miles, like, no, no, like stop being vague. Just put in the question. Are you Peter Parker? And how he asked it, he asked the question, like, how are you alive? And even says like, well, you're a clone, Right. Maybe somebody cloned you, and how would you not know? And what I loved, I and think we have to give credit to the storytellers, both uh, Bendis uh, and Marquez, and and the colorists, uh, Justin Ponzer and um, Jason Keith assisted. Jason Keith assisted. So when Peter finally gives his answer, you get this two-page spread, and which I I really like the two two-page spreads in this series, and this one is glorious. this is. This is, glorious is exactly the word because you could, I mean, spend some time and just really, really look at this and look at what it means because this, the obvious thing to do would just be to kind of 
do the greatest hits from Peter's Ultimate Spider-Man run, right? Best mm-hmm. of moments. But that's not what's happening here. And you have these moments, you know, you have the bad guys, you have these familiar faces, but then you also have these everyday moments. I mean, even like really, everything, like you have Peter in the bathroom. Yeah, like you, you have that picture of that one time Peter fell asleep in class and was drooling on his table right, right up there. Just, just a tiny just little square day. of it. And, it's- and I mean, the way this, this is laid out, there's so much thought that goes into this because, and between what Marquez did and what Ponser and Keith did, you have all these dark moments and look how they're distributed. I mean, the majority of the page is dark. It's really dark. And that was, that was his life. But there are these brighter moments that they're colored brighter and they're in a lighter shade. They're just kind of around the edges. Yeah. And that is, those are glimmers of hope. Those are glimmers of just being a human being, just being a good person. And to me, like that is Peter Parker's life. This is who he is and why he is. And so no matter what, you know, no matter what our theories are, if he's a clone or a clone doesn't know, he's not an imposter. I mean, for all practical purposes, this page just drives it home. And the way it was done is so beautiful. Like this is Peter Parker. He is back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I could spend, and you're right, Taz, like you said, glorious. I absolutely agree. I mean, you could just study this page and what these guys have done in, in bringing this to life. It says, it just speaks volumes. It's amazing. And even the text boxes kind of stay out of the way because the art is telling the story here. Yeah, I wondered if there was a clue in that shot of him waking up in the lab because you look and it's it's been abandoned or something. And in the background, there are those four compartments or there are two of them or are something. Broken. Yeah, and are they... Are they big enough for a person to fit inside? And are they broken? Were they broken from the inside? I was wondering. I went back and looked because you have these windows. And I went back to the first issue that showed the facility where Norman was locked up. Because he said he was in Atlanta. So I was like, oh, was that where Norman was in the beginning? I went back to issue one. It didn't say, it said unspecified location. But the building structure was kind of similar with those windows. So there might be a clue there. Do you think maybe someone woke both of them up, like got their bodies and, and brought them back essentially. At that point, you assume it's shield the Spider-Man. Well, that was, I mean, Peter throws that out there because it could have been shield rocks on Oscorp. I don't know. And then I thought a newer, I think newer brought it up in the last episode when we were, when we discovered that Peter is with Mary Jane and you know, you're saying, well, we didn't get to see, <sighs> we didn't get to see them, you know, kind of, we can, yeah. how would Mary Jane react? And then you get this page. And again, yeah. it's so love it. It's so beautiful. I'm so glad they they threw it in there. Um, it, it was worth the wait. Perfectly. It was worth yeah. the wait. It connected those dots, and it it's just it it had to be done given the whole history for these characters. Mm-hmm. But I think this is one of the I love this issue. But I think this is one of the rare missteps. I didn't think they needed. I mean, they they were small. I didn't think you needed any text on these pages on this page in particular. I mean, mm-hmm. their expressions say it all. Yeah, they didn't need the the I got back to Queens and all that. They didn't need the text boxes. You could have bumped they that could, over to the next page, and it should have been blank. Yeah, I think that would have been far That's, more useful. My favorite part about this is that I was right, and I am petty enough to <laughs> remind you that I was right. That my Jane favorite knew. part about this is that you so, were right as well. You know, I'm I, in. I'm on your team. <laughs> Okay, yep. we're all friends. <laughs> we're all together, so listeners. <laughs> listeners, 
just remember, I was right. All right, this, <laughs> for future reference, this will this listen to me. That's the T-shirt, right? Not Cyclops was right. Kyle was right. So I'm sorry, Kyle. You were saying that you were right, and that was the best part of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, remember when the last issue, the last was it the last issue? It was the issue before? Um, yeah, it was the issue before when they were showing all of them reacting to Spider-Man, Spider-Man being yeah. there, and then Mary Jane's the only one that isn't looking at a monitor. She's looking, looking out the outside of her own window because he's left there to go and help Miles. You were yeah. right. You were right. You were. You were. Yeah. Right. I, I, you know what I love more than being right is hearing other people say I was I'll, right. No, I'll give it. Yes, <laughs> you were. You were absolutely right. <laughs> but this this issue keeps hurtling along. I mean, then they they go back and they they dig up the grave, which is such a grim thought. But there's no body in the coffin, and then uh, Aunt May and Gwen show up, which is expected. It's obvious that he'd go to MJ's. May and Gwen even say that, right? There's something about Aunt May's reaction to Peter that makes me think like this is the real deal, and like I'm sold on it, and it's not a clone. Like even with we saw those tubes in the background. I'm inclined to agree, and it's not just... I, I don't think it's just... I mean, May, certainly, but it's May, Gwen, and MJ. If his, if it's good enough for his family, yeah, it's good enough for me. But then uh, one more person shows up to the reunion. Person might be a bit of a yeah, strange word there. Very demonic Monster. entrance. I love that Miles, during this whole fight scene, did not wear his mask. I think it was it's, very, very deliberate not to have his mask. Yeah, I think yeah you know, had... it, it reminded me of, um, I'm not sure if you guys remember, it was the issue of Civil War where Peter goes to fight the Kingpin, and he gives him that monologue where he's like, um, he's talking about how the suit stands for every line that he would never cross, and then he's like, the, your problem is you think that um, I'm here to kill you, and then he takes off, he goes, you're wrong, and he takes off the mask, and he goes, I am. And like, you yeah. know, like I, like, I think that's what's really cool is that like what artists, I think they're trying to convey that in this issue, that there's a difference between the suit and the person in the suit. And, um, and I found that really cool that Miles just ran into battle, no mask, he's facing Osborne, not Spider-Man to Green Goblin, because that's what happened last time and Peter died, but he's facing him Miles to Osborne. And I think that's. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly done. I thought like it was a small feature, but it was a great feature. I had a slightly different take on that. I thought not having the mask was more to really assert that this is Miles Morales, Spider-Man. And mm. I had an even more different thought about it. Just, I thought that it was to convey his sort of arrogance of the scene. Because hmm. like, of how well his ability last time, I thought this was straight up going... He thinks he can take the goblin now, so he doesn't need his mask. Here's what I started thinking about. Through this issue, this scene, and then the series to date, I was saying earlier, you have a book called Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, and then I was a bit thrown when all of a sudden it seemed to be all about Peter Parker and his return. So I was like, man, you have the star of his own book kind of getting sidelined, and it's it's about the, the other guy. So how can you have Miles stand up and be Spider-Man when you're having the predecessor back in the picture and kind of overshadowing <laughs> everything. And this page really drove it home for me. So the, the question yeah. is not, or this is how I read it. The question is not, is this Peter Parker? How is he back? Or anything like that. The question is, who is Spider-Man? And who is Spider-Man? And Spider-Man, there are four words. We all know what Spider-Man is. Uncle Ben said, you know, it's great power, 
great responsibility. And when Miles, this the goblin returns and the attack begins, and Peter says, "This is my fight," and Miles takes charge, and he says, he yeah. tells him, "Go look after your family," and he uses the word, "They are your responsibility." So all of a sudden, you have. Spider-Man saves the day. It's great power or it's great responsibility that Peter has to show now. He's got to look after his loved ones. And Miles is ready finally to confidently like step into this role of truly great power. And then in that moment, Miles takes charge and you have both Spider-Man equally responsible saving the day. It's not Peter versus Miles or Peter and Miles. This book is about Spider-Man. And like you were saying, Spider-Man is... It's not the suit. It's not the, the, you know, the specific power set or whatever it is. It's those core characteristics of you can yeah. do these amazing things, do amazing things with that ability. And then when he jumps in there and says, I so got this, I'm like, I punched the air. Like, yeah, here we go. And then the way he just jumped in there and unleashes this physical beatdown, but also a verbal beatdown. I mean, he's the insults he's coming with were just ridiculous and over the top and just he was spider-man i think mary jane has a line like told you it was good one of the things that attracts me to the character of spider-man you know peter parker or whatever whoever's being spider-man at the time is the is his driven responsibility no matter what to help people and miles has indicated that he's he's that you know he he helps people because he, he believes it's the right thing to do. But when he when he started fighting the goblin, and I was, he was just he was wailing on him. I mean, he was doing better than Spider Man has done in in past iterations, and it's like that's a really cool moment. And then he's acting mm-hmm. a little bit snarky like Spider Man, and he's coming more into the role. One thing that has been main about Spider Man's character, and I've heard it from multiple people, is that. Um, even just the people who play him um, or his creators, anyone can be Spider-Man. It could be a guy, it could be a girl, it could be black, it could be white. It does not matter at all. That's what's like what interesting is like when you look at the title of the book, it's following Miles' story, and like like that's where like when he's not wearing the mask, you can see it's this book. Like like you were saying, Brian, like it's like so much about Peter during this issue and during this arc, but like you know this scene really hammers home. I'm like, hey, this is still Miles's book. And this isn't just a Spider-Man fighting the Green Goblin. This is the Miles Morales fighting the Green Goblin. You know, like this is him as a character, not just another guy in a suit. Because anybody can be Spider-Man, but only one person can be Miles. With this issue, it clicked for me. And it was like, this was the payoff to the previous arc that had gone over, you know, the previous five issues. Now it made sense. Like, now I get it. Yeah, and I gotta say the scene where he kicks Norbert Osborne right in the teeth—that was boom. That was great. Like, right, <laughs> oh, that exactly was so satisfying. Miles' mouth just boom. Like, after seeing like Peter get like thrown around by the Green Goblin, it was and like and like not even just Peter, but every every fight with the Green Goblin, seeing him throw people around and just absolutely wreak havoc. It was yeah. great to see a character just walk in and total them like this whole it's not like a battle of upper hands like miles has this the whole time he's got this in the bag and he shows it like he, like and right off of that final scene with miles walking away and norman osborne passed on the ground he 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 beat him and like very solidly like there was no question about it he one-upped one of spider-man's most dangerous villains and he did it what two pages 
it's important to note yeah. how he did it. He used a specific yeah. ability that his predecessor did not have. And that's, what if yeah. Norman can adapt to that ability? He and might be a little bit screwed. And that's time. key. That's, that's definitely key. There's kind of a balance there between those two powers. It was the, the right combination at the right time. But here's a, I was, I was looking at this scene again. Here's a kind of continuity corner, no prize opportunity for you. Miles was badly injured last issue. He was shot and a bullet, or he was oh, grazed yeah. by a bullet. And he was patched up by Maria Hill, and his costume was torn, and it was bandaged up. What do you think, timeline, maybe, in terms of the issue? An hour, I'm, I'm looking an, through it. An hour has passed since that scene, and they had to go if to... that, yeah. It, it might actually be within the same hour. Right, so they go to Mary Jane's house, they have the conversation, the rest of the family shows up, and then Norman arrives... And Miles is just fine, and his costume has repaired itself. I mean, I, it's, shield, it's shield there is, issue. There's so. one point where it's torn, and it's it's when Norman's um, on the floor just after the boom, and it's torn there. But then before that, and immediately after it, it's it's fixed as well. Is it? Because so when he kicks Norman in the face, it wasn't that the leg he was injured with? Or no, it was the other leg. Let's not forget, though, that one of Spider-Man's powers is... He's got an accelerated healing factor, and Miles yeah. will have it as well. So just that's true. So but the his fact him being shot doesn't really matter at all. Him, him being shot, I'm just having a look at look how being injured isn't, isn't the old isn't, issue. I don't think the problem is it's um, the fact that the, the actual scar on the costume is, is missing. Yeah, I, I think the... on, in the left leg, it's missing on one. It's his left leg. It's missing on. It's his left leg. It's the left leg that's torn and shot there's only That's one right. part i'm looking through there's only one panel where you see his leg yeah you're right so it's not really an, any issue I, i'm not sure if i if i'm remembering correctly but uh, it was he not do he wasn't shot was he, he was grazed he by was, the bullet right? no he was gra- grazed, he was grazed yeah. but it was torn pretty bad it was it was torn but yeah like kyle said like there's the healing factor that involved i mean if it was a full-on gun shot that I understand him. Like, if we would, there would be a little bit of like, whoa, hang on, how has he recovered this fast? But the fact that it was like just a graze and he was patched up already and he has the health, the accelerated healing factor of being Spider Man, you know, it makes sense. And then I like, I mean, I flipped through the whole book and there's only like one or two shots where you can question and be like, hey, where's the rip in the costume? Which I mean, I guess that's more of just an oversight thing as opposed yeah. to. I mean, it sounds strange to kind of harp on such an insignificant thing. And I, I think the only reason I noticed it is because this book is such a pleasure to read and to look at. And I do find myself spending time going through the art very carefully and thinking about it. And, you yeah. know, like we were t- saying earlier, like that spread of that Peter Parker's reply of, are you Peter Parker and how that was written? There's, there's so much to enjoy. And so then when you do notice things like that, it's like, oh, well, how did that work? But yeah, this is, for me, this was a fantastic cap to the first arc. And then it sets things up to go even higher because the question comes out about Jefferson. And now Norman, of all people, has a connection to him. Now, Norman had that warped outlook with Peter that I'm your father you know, I, yeah. I created you and he had, you know, same with Miles, like I birthed you into this world and all of that. But is he referring to himself or is he know something about, I, I first glance, because, you know, you, I've been thinking about Jefferson in the background the whole time. So that my thought was like, is Jefferson involved in this somehow? 
we know from the solicitations that um, I believe like they've all said for number seven that it's like, what, what did it not open up with who really is Miles Morales' father or something along those lines? Um, so it's I feel the mailman. like while, while I think this arc is uh, this arc is over, I feel like in a way it's still kind of continuing, picking up off that last point, that last point that Norman says, like you'll never who your father, you'll never know who your father really is. That's a great segue into the next arc, which we'll yeah, be exactly. finding out about more, where it ties more into, I believe, with Hydra. Um, yeah. The one thing that I'm concerned with is what happens with Peter now. I mean, um, I think I'm, that they might take a a Ben Riley route where. Miles will be taking over as Spider-Man and Peter will go away for a few years. That's what I was thinking as well. I'm thinking he's going to give up the mantle of Spider-Man because he mentions multiple times in the issue, um, I'm not needed anymore. I think it's going to just be Peter now. Like, I don't think there's even going to be any focus on him. He's just going to kind of move off to the sidelines. We have characters here like Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane in this book, but they're not frequent. And I feel like Peter is going to be one of those characters. And like maybe he'll be called upon as Spider-Man if needed if there's ever a scenario where there needs to be two Spider-Men, but I think he realizes Miles has got it. He was Spider-Man for a year, and it got him killed, and I think now that he's, I think, like, if this is the real Peter, if it is, and he's back to life, I think he's got, maybe got a new lease on life to say, you know what, maybe I gotta experience life just as regular old Peter, Peter Parker and not Peter Parker slash Spider-Man because Miles has got this, which is a good way to solidify you know, this is Miles's book, and this book is following Miles's story, which I'm glad to get back to. I, then there's the other side of it too, because there are wider things happening with Marvel and the Spider-Man series. We have the Spider-Verse event coming. That's up, what I was about to ask. And Miles is going to play a huge part in that. And now we're starting to see teasers for okay. upcoming events. The Secret Wars are apparently coming back, and in the cover art, Miles Morales is featured, and. He's now doing this all-new X-Men run. Big things are shaping up for the Marvel Universe and all hinging on Jonathan Hickman's Avengers. Yeah. So in terms of u- multiple universes and things colliding and crossovers and things like that. And Axel Alonso had the comment about the uh, all-new X-Men series saying, we could have done that crossover whenever we wanted to. There's a reason we're doing it now. Yeah. So I wonder... They're, they're messing with like space-time. Right, and, and that's all feeding into this, these uh, holes. Of, of, to open, it, it's all universe. it's all feeding into the you know, or into and from the Avengers series. So, when you talk about well, what is the future for Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe? My question is, well, what is the future for Miles Morales? Because I don't know if he's sticking around or they're planning to move him somewhere else. Because in the past, his narrative has gotten kind of sidetracked. Like things were moving when his, he was introduced, things were moving along very well, and then divided, we fall happened, and it kind yeah. of had to throw things forward for him. And then they kind of got done with that event, and we're trying to move things again. And then the series ended up ending, and then relaunching, and then or there's the cataclysm, so you had to deal with that and the cleanup from that. Um, yeah. and then kind of get them back on track again, you know, all new ultimates keeps trying to name check that those events and in the main series, they did that at first and then moved on. So it, I don't know if Bendis and company are actively involved in creating the, the plan or if there's a wider kind of editorial thing that they are going to have to kind of 
mm-hmm. work, work their way toward, or they're going to have, is it proactive or reactive? And I guess time will tell, but I don't know. I, I want I, to ask you three a question and then extend that question to the audience. If Miles Morales were moved somewhere else or got a new origin story somewhere else in a different universe and they ended the ultimate universe, all the comics that are involved with it, because it's basically, it's nothing at this point. It's, it's Miles pretty much supporting the universe. Like, would you care? A new Miles universe pops up, they end Ultimate, and they start flowing with that. Like, Miles is the new flagship character of a new universe, and they, they get the rest of the Marvel characters and slowly bleed them in, and we get a new Ultimate universe, essentially. I don't know. I, I don't know if you necessarily need to. I agree. Like The Ultimate universe is done i mean it had accomplished everything it was meant to do when it was launched in what was it 2000 or whatever but now you have the spider-verse version of gwen stacy getting her own series and she exists in a completely different continuity they have their own versions of their characters and that one peter parker was the lizard and he died and so that story is going to go in its own new direction so i don't see why miles couldn't continue in his current series as it is. I think it was a good idea. That's really good. But they killed so many that there's, there's little left. And like, you know, like the big names, like you can't really relaunch. You can't relaunch the ultimate line anymore because you can't relaunch them with much besides miles. Even the fantastic four was plagued early on, but like the only main characters who are out now are miles, iron man, um, the Invisible Woman. Yeah, these are like the big name characters, and even the Fantastic Four didn't have a complete lineup of people who were like who were like well known. You can't really launch a, you know, it's like hard to launch a title on the, on the Invisible Woman because people read her in the Fantastic Four setting as a team setting. You know, it was cool killing off a character and not making them come back. That's great. Killing off too many characters at once, kind of closes any doors for you and i think that's what the ultimate universe has done to itself so miles morales number six how did we feel about Uh, it overall i'm gonna give it a nine it was really good it was less of the sort of bridging that was in the last issue it it resolved everything in a way that i really like i i have a a, you know i have that one issue with silhouettes but that's by no means going to affect the score in any major way they handled the characters really well they handled the fight really well and the art is still, for the most part, spectacular, as with the rest of the series. And Bendis has done an amazing job with this arc. I really do like it. And the arc yeah. overall is one of my favorites in recent memory. So this is a great way to end it. I, I give it 9 out of 10. It's, nice. It, I love it. It's great. I'm going to have to say I agree with the 9. My only issue with the series was just kind of... Yeah, I was building up for Peter's return... His return was was great and it was good to have an answer, but I, I wish they'd kind of delved a little bit more into how he suddenly got into a lab. But I think they're, they plan to do that, or at least I hope they plan to do that in the future. Um, that's my only issue, just I was kind of, it was building up to this big climactic thing. Like I really wanted to know what had happened to Peter, and I, all I got was I woke up in an abandoned lab, and I dug up my grave, and I wasn't there, so I think I'm alive. 
Yeah. You know, like, like I would have preferred if we found out like who took him. Why is he in a lab? Did somebody study him? Like, is he a clone of somebody else? Because that is not even officially really answered either. It's, um, you know, like I'm still kind of, like, there's something in me that says, you know what, this is Peter, but at the same time, it's never been fully answered exactly what's going on. That's my only issue. Besides that, like what said, the art was great, the storytelling was great, and absolutely like my favorite sh- like couple of shots in a comic were Miles fighting the Green Goblin, absolutely just destroying Norman in that fight. And like that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the in the book and in the arc so far. It was just really well done. Nine's fair, probably. Just like I mentioned, the only issue was all of this explanation did nothing for me whatsoever really so i came from it from the miles perspective though of just shut up and give (laughs) give the explanation mary jane shut up stop automatically assuming it's him when you know what everything you've told me about peter's life i you know what this sort of stuff happens that whole part annoyed me to a degree but it was made up for it towards the end when miles took over miles dealt with the green goblin not as in that he found it easier than peter but in the in the sense that he decided that he was the right person to end this he had the advantages that peter didn't have he didn't have he had the the venom sting which is for lack of a better term seems to be his kryptonite and for everything that the issue does well, towards the end, it overshadows the things I didn't like. In the middle, it's, it's easy for me to give it an 8.5, which is about in line with everything else I've given the series. As for the whole Jefferson thing, just go back to that. Um, don't forget that in the, one of the early issues of the series, Jefferson just says he hates superheroes and is never really an ex- ever given an explanation why. Even when Rio... Uh, Miles's mum died. She said that she he can never tell Jefferson mm. that he's Spider Man because there is some sort of issue that he seems to have with powers. He says he did bad things, and at that, that time, that's probably when these things happened. And Norman having the resources that he had, even if he had been gone for what forever amount of time, he still went to the uh, his bunk secret bunker. So yeah, what about you, Brian? This was so strong, and look at the range of what it covered in just reading digital. So at uh, Comixology, it has 19 pages, and you have drama and terror with Jameson. You finally get answers. Peter provides an answer, and his answer leads to some really beautiful, poignant moments in this book. You know, Mary Jane, they're reconnecting, and the scene with Aunt May and Gwen returning. And then you have phenomenal action and just outstanding hero moment. I mean, it's all been building up to defining Spider-Man. And it's like I was saying earlier, you get both Miles and Peter. They are Spider-Man and just the bigger concept of Spider-Man. For me, I don't know what more you could ask for. I I gave this a nine. I think my only frustration, and I could see why he did it. The only thing was we have been waiting so long for the answer. And then when Peter is about to say it, it still takes another three pages in an already small book to get to it. The payoff for me was worth it. So this is this is a strong issue. And like I said, you, you end the arc on such a high note and you position it. So it's like, guess what? This is just starting. We're, go, we're going even higher. I can't wait. Solid nine from me. Ito-suji. 
Okay, time for some feedback. We love hearing from you guys. The best way to get in touch with us is through our website at ultimatespinpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin. Drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show, your thoughts on Ultimate Spider-Man, all-new Ultimates, the all-new X-Men crossover stuff that's happening, the Spider-Verse stuff coming up, or whatever's on your mind. And if you like what you're hearing, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to post a review over at iTunes and Stitcher or help spread the word on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. We know there are plenty of Miles fans out there, so we'd enjoy connecting with as many as we possibly can. We got a tweet from Sam at Snulty, and uh, the question is, any idea why Peter didn't recognize Maria Hill in the latest issue I'm sure they've met before? And yeah, they have met before, well, briefly, but at that time, she was a beat cop. So, and I think it might be unlikely for Peter to remember every single beat cop in New York City. And plus, Maria Hill's only officially been introduced in Miles' book anyway, so we won't have properly seen her in any subsequent issues. Feel free to go through them all and nitpick. Well, because, <laughs> wait a minute, because in Peter's run, I mean... She was in S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield. at some point, wasn't she? And well, she was... a. Like a fairly high operating shield operative. But when Fury left, it was Carol Danvers was his point of contact. Yeah. But shield, Maria Hill, when she meets Miles, she's ex-shield at that point, right? Yeah, she's but ex-shield I'm, and yeah. become a cop, basically. Mm-hmm. That's that's the background they give. And they, they mention some other stuff, but, but that's she, the main part. Did she part meet Peter? It. Kyle, you said she did, but when? do you remember when? I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of in, Carol Danvers, but not Maria. In issue five, what you mean when she was a, a member of Shield, or yeah, when yeah, well, she met Spider? When 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 we first see her, she's in Shield, and I can't remember because no. it's been a fair not few years. Not when we first see her. No, she's not in the Spider-Man Ultimate Universe until yeah. twenty-three okay. or whatever. I'm taking a punt out the number till twenty-three, I mean, so yeah, she's because, never seen uh, up until that point. Yeah, no, uh, I've, I I res- I read um, the Ultimate Spider-Man series, like Peter's Run one to one hundred and sixty, very recently, actually, and like I'm trying to rack my brain, but I really don't remember any recollection of Maria Hill in the series at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there is any, like you said, Kyle, it's, I think it's brief. Like I think it's nothing that Peter would remember, considering, you know, he's. It's really a small moment in the grand scheme of things that I don't think he remembers her. Kyle is right. No. She first appears while questioning Miles Morales about the death of Aaron Davis. Kyle is so yeah, right. She's first introduced. Kyle she, is right she's again. Right. Two, there you go. two in one. Boom! <laughs> what? <sighs> wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> Kyle's just basking in the satisfaction. I'm just going to hang up now. I'm just going to hang up now. What's the point? I'm just done. Done. Wow, where you've you been go right there? too much. I'm, 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 I'm coming back. I'm, I'm going to be right about something. I'm going to change my Twitter bio now to just sigh. Kyle was right. I'm going to find out exactly That's... how to use Twitter. Then I'm going to pin a tweet that says Kyle is right. I want a Kyle, right. I want a Kyle was right T-shirt. We, that, like, we, <laughs> we have two options of, TV, of episode titles. It's either Jeff 
oh, Kyle was right, and I'm <laughs> all for the Kyle was right. <laughs> I'm, a- I'm absolutely on board for titling this episode Kyle was right. <laughs> you got it. Done and done. And done. God. Thanks, for the, go. que- thanks for the question, Sam. Thanks, thank, Sam. thank you, Sam, for the enforcement that Kyle was right. Thank you. <laughs> so if you're on Reddit, we also hang out sometimes over at the Spider-Man subreddit where we got some feedback from Toasted Walrus One, who says, first off, Really enjoy the podcast. Thank you very much. And cannot wait to hear your thoughts on Miles Morales 6. Hope you enjoy them. I've been, I have been reading all new Ultimates, as I've heard mostly negative things about it, but I have been keeping up with Ultimate Spider-Man, and I believe the series is as good, if not better, than it's ever been. I'm amazed at how consistently fantastic this series has been since its debut. It's a testament not only to Bendis' great writing, but to his love for the characters he's writing for. Anyway, I'm stoked for issue six and can't wait to see how this arc is resolved. I have absolutely no idea where the story can go from here. What do you guys think? Where can the story go from here? Well, I mean, obviously the end of the, the, end of the book kind of left it open to the fact that the next arc is going to delve and talk a little bit more into... Miles' father, what's his background, why does he hate superheroes so much like we discussed. That's really where, I mean, that's really, like, not, it's, like, it's where it goes from here, and it's pretty clear. There's a few questions. There's um, what's going to happen to Peter, which we've speculated on. And then I guess another thing we haven't speculated on is what happens with Norman, because we know, like, the people suck at locking him up. He's not, uh, you know, he's not somebody you can just throw away in a jail cell and forget about. So it'd be interesting to see he, because I know for a fact, like I can say, like undoubtedly he'll come back later. He will most definitely be back, and I just want to know how is he coming back. And um, I guess that's what we'll find out. That's where the story goes from here. It's Miles's father, and then I guess what does Peter do now? What does Norman do now? We we touched on it in other episodes, but I think I'd like to see. Well, we'd all like to see Miles's. Oh, you know, his own uh, rogues gallery developed further. So we have things kind of in play with the spider twins. We have things kind of building with Katie. I'd like to see where that goes. I think those are kind of the next storylines to, to really explore and develop. And as I mentioned earlier, I, you know, given everything else that's going on in the, in the Spider-Man, the wider Spider-Man storytelling universe, I can just, my hope for this series is that it can kind of, hang on and not get too sidetracked. I mean, it's going to be great to see miles teaming up with the others and see crossovers and things like that. But I, I hope the momentum that's being built here and it's, it's moving really well. I hope that doesn't get derailed by everything else going on. I opened up a question in the Spider-Man subreddit and I'd like to hear a little bit more from the audience. Um, but we talked a lot about all new ultimates and the art style has been getting better. Um, it's still, it's still a bit of an issue for me. There's some jarring problems with it, but I think it's been getting better. But if you could change the artist and this is directed to anybody listening, if you could change the artist, who would be your top option to come in and take over the book, um, in terms of art for now? Oh man. That's an intense question. I picked, uh, Jake Wyatt, the guy who recently did the edge of spider verse five issue. Like I mentioned in the episode. He uh, he really captures the minimalistic style that's going on in all the Ultimates, but he does it like to a, a greater extent, and he really does it well. It's like you can tell he's like, it's his forte. He nails it. I don't know enough names in 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 the industry to answer. I don't think so. I'm gonna omit myself from this one. <laughs> I don't know what actually. 
I will actually have a think about this. So I will join in with everybody else next episode. When yeah, I that's a big question. Some I answers. To, I need yeah, to exactly. think about that too. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, that's I, I, I will do some research and try and answer. But I, I'm when it comes to like the artists, I'm just I'm, I don't know. I have no idea who most of them are. I, I know that there are a couple names that I'm starting to recognize because you guys throw them around so much. But apart from that, yeah. And, you know, like that's a, like a, there's lots of good artists, but there's very few that can do a certain tone, right? And All New Ultimates has that tone of a team book, um, a book of just kids trying to figure something out, a street level book. Um, it's all about finding the artist who can capture that. And I can't like I'm really excited. I want to talk about that next episode. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear from the listeners. Um who who like who do you think would be suited to really capture that feel perfectly? Well, I I will do my research and come to you with an answer, and I, I hope I, I appreciate hope. that, Taz. I really I'll just do. save you the trouble and say Kyle had the best answer. Thanks for your questions and thanks for listening. You can subscribe to our show at iTunes and Stitcher under Ultimate Spin, and visit us over at ultimatespinpodcast.com where you can send in your questions, find show notes, and stream or download our earlier episodes. We're also proud to be part of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, which is a phenomenal archive of articles and reviews, including my own write-ups for Ultimate Spider-Man. It's also home to the amazing Spider Talk podcast, a really engaging conversation that follows the main series. Lots of fun stuff coming up. We'll be back in November to talk more Miles Morales Spider-Man. We'll catch you then for the Ultimate Spin. Ultimate Spin.